Good morning, Parkway Church. How you guys doing today? Excellent. Three of you are doing phenomenally well here at Parkway Victoria. I am so glad you're here, whether you're gathered at Parkway Victoria, Parkway Port Lavaca, Parkway Lone Tree, or Parkway Online. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here. And it's my privilege today to continue the series where we're looking at how Christ makes his home in us for Christmas. That when we say, I'll be home for Christmas, Jesus says, I'll be home for Christmas in your life. When we say, Merry Christmas, Jesus says, Christmas is about me and my story. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Do you guys love this season or what? All right, that's why the three of you are happy, the rest of you are grumpy. I, I love this season. I mean, everybody in, like in the Christmas season, everybody thinks they can sing like Mariah. All I want for Christmas is... Thank you. See, none of us can sing like Mariah. We all think we can, though. In this season, everybody's so friendly when you go shopping. Isn't it the best? Like you're looking for a parking spot and somebody else is coming up and they say, no, no, you take that spot. I'll take the one that's four miles out. Right? A true one now with, with kids. I love the Christmas season with kids because the kids are like, hey, um, hey, can I get a, a new uh, video game? Sure, that'll count for Christmas. You ever do that, parents? You know, hey, Dad, can I get a double cheeseburger at Wendy's? Yeah, but that'll count for Christmas. <laughs> Pack of gum, counts for Christmas. It's a beautiful thing. I start doing that about July 4th. <laughs> Halloween candy, counts for Christmas. Turkey and dressing, Christmas. Electricity, Christmas. It's a wonderful thing. As we look at the Christmas story today, may we see the power of Christ being at home in us. That's our focus, that Jesus left his home to make his home in us. And he left his home to make his home in us so that he could change us. Last week, we learned that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, that Jesus, who was before anything else was, the creator of the universe, left heaven and made his home with us. And that when he did, we saw the glory, the glory of God's one and only son, and that Jesus was full of two things. He was full of grace and he was full of truth. And, and I encouraged you to see your life as Christ's home believer in Jesus Christ, that you would see your life not as your own, where you're simply giving Jesus a tour of your life, but you would see your life as his home. You have transferred the title of your life to him. He's the owner. He's the, the landlord. He's the one that makes the decisions. It's his life because he lives in you. As we continue looking at the Christmas story today, I want you to see that this, this Jesus lives in me has some big-time implications for our lives. It has some big-time benefits and big-time blessings for our life. So if you brought your Bible, we're going to be in two places today. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 4, and then we're going to move to Revelation chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 4, we, what we, Galatians chapter 4, we see Paul tell the Christmas story in a way that it shows who we are in Christ. Galatians chapter four, verse four and five. Here's what the Bible says. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, 
to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. You see, this is the Christmas story. That at the perfect time, God sent his son through a woman. And this was an ordinary woman. Yes, she said, God, all things are possible. But she's an ordinary woman born under the law. And God sent his son through her to redeem us, to redeem the world. All who would believe in him and find life. And not only would he redeem, but we would receive adoption as sonship. Not only would he make us right, but he would make us his. This is the story of Christmas. That the one who was with God and is God before very time began, came and lived among us to fulfill a promise of God. The Old Testament, as we walk through it this year, we saw that promise unfold. When God created us, it was good. And then Adam and Eve sinned just like we would have. God judged the world with a flood through Noah, made a promise to Abram that he would have a family. Abraham was so old that they laughed when they said, well, you're going to have a family, you're going to be the father of a great nation. But God said, you're not only going to be the father of a great nation, I'm going to bless the world, the whole world, through you. And from that point forward, we see God's promise unfolding before us. We see the teaching in the Old Testament that tells us the story of the people of God. We see the prophets, the major and minor prophets, that remind the people of God that they're a people of promise. And they point ahead to the promise of God, the Messiah coming. This is the story of Christmas. And as you hear that progression Look at what God did for us in the perfect time. He sent us his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem us, that he might make us his. This is the story of Christmas. How many of y'all here, and let's play along at Parkway, Lone Tree, Port Lavaca, and online. How many of y'all are adopted? Anybody adopted here? Raise your hand. All right, we've got a couple, we've got a few. Did you guys know that I was adopted? You you look and you say, Mike, we've known each other some 24 years now. How are you just now telling us this part of your story? And Mike, we we don't buy it either. Because some of us met your dad, and you look and act just like him. And some of us met your mom. You are Joan's son and Ronnie's kid. It is clear whose son you are. Let me tell you, I was adopted. But I wasn't adopted when I was a baby. I was adopted when I was 17 years old. Who wants to adopt a teenager? But that's what Jesus did. I was adopted the moment that I believed in Christ. And he made me a son. He made me his. And as we keep reading in Galatians chapter 4, we're going to see that because I'm his, I'm forever different. So I got a question for you, church. How many of you are adopted? How many of you have been adopted, not by your earthly mother and father, but by the King of kings and the Lord of lords? How many of you have not been adopted by mom and dad, but instead by daddy God? How many of you have been adopted? Roxy, I see that hand. Stop messing with me. She's answering it every time. She's like doing aerobics back there. She's burned 48,000 calories in the two minutes that I've been preaching this part of the message. And she said, amen. 
But do you realize that when you said yes to Jesus, it wasn't just a yes for your forgiveness. It was a yes that made you his. And Jesus came not only to redeem you and make you right with God, but to make you a son or a daughter of God. And listen how the story plays out. And this is why the story of Christmas never gets old. Galatians 4, 6 and 7. Here's what the Bible says. Because you are his sons. Now, if you are a son or a daughter, this is true of you. God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Everyone who's believed in Jesus Christ for life can see who they are in God's eyes. In this passage, first one, what has God done in you because you've believed in Jesus? He put his spirit in you. The Bible here says that God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And that spirit leads us. That spirit convicts us. That spirit even prays when we don't know what to pray, the Bible teaches. That spirit cries out, Abba, Father. That spirit cries out for us, Daddy, God. How close a relationship does Jesus want to have with each and every one of us? The kind of relationship where we look at his Father and we cry out, Daddy, God. What else does Jesus do for us? He gives us a secure relationship with him. We're called a child of God. Do you realize that he adopted us permanently, not temporarily? You are not God's foster children. You are his adopted sons and daughters. He's not bringing you into his house for a season. He's bringing you into his home for all of your life and for all of eternity. You've been adopted and you are secure. And he gave you his spirit as a deposit, a guarantee. He wouldn't put his spirit in you if you weren't his son or daughter. You are secure in your relationship with him. The third thing that we see here, not only are you a child, since you're his child, you're also an heir. Now let's just pause right here. Some of us, if our only parents are our earthly parents, and we're told that we're an heir of theirs, we look and we go, well, I hope it's a good garage sale because that's about all the inheritance I'm going to get. You're going to say, well, I, and I, I hope that there's enough to go out to dinner because that's what I'm going to get as an heir. Don't you dare settle for that when it comes to being an heir of God. Because the Spirit of God lives in you because you are his son or daughter. You have blessing promised for you here on earth. Now, I'm not talking money. I'm not talking health. I'm not talking wisdom. But what I'm talking is a blessing that comes from knowing that God is with you everywhere you go. And no matter the difficulty or hardship, no matter the good times that you experience, God is with you. Friends, that's a blessing from God. You are blessed. You also, because the Spirit of God lives in you, the inheritance that you have in Christ is knowing that the story doesn't end here. I've got hope beyond 
today. I've got hope beyond my grave. I've got hope that hangs in heaven. And Jesus is the one that holds it for me. My hope is anchored with him. Friends, there's an inheritance coming because you're a believer in Jesus Christ, because you're his kid. It's guaranteed. And as you think about the reality of the Christmas story, that Jesus left his home in heaven to make his home in us, so that when he makes his home in us, he changes us. What's your job as a believer? If you're a child of God who's going to receive inheritance from God, if you're a child of God who has the Spirit of God living in you, what's your job? Let's just keep it real simple. I think your job is to say, welcome home to Jesus. Your job is to put out that welcome mat for Jesus. How many of y'all have welcome mats at your house? I don't really like welcome mats. I think that they're a a gateway rug. (laughs) But think about some of the welcome mats we put out for Jesus in our life personally. Like maybe this one. We put out the welcome mat that says, go away. (laughs) If you visit my house and you say, hey, Mike, what's the Wi-Fi? Our Wi-Fi is named go away. How welcoming is that? Maybe we look and we say that our welcome mat to Jesus says, come back with tacos. (laughs) You know, maybe you're not saying, Jesus, get out of my life in this area, but you're saying, Jesus, come back when you can be a blessing to me. Come back when you bring something that's beneficial for me. Or maybe you put out this welcome mat for Jesus. Welcome. Just don't expect too much. You know, as a believer in Jesus... What's the welcome mat of your life look like for him? As we turn to Revelation chapter 3, Jesus is going to be talking to one of the churches in Asia about their welcome mat for him. There's this church. It's called the Laodicean Church. And they are a church that's neither hot nor cold. They're just continually lukewarm for God. And he wishes they were either one, hot or cold. And so he comes to them. Jesus speaks to them with a beautiful word picture. Here it is. Revelation 3, verse 20. Here's what the Bible says. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. See the word picture? Jesus is standing at the front door of our life knocking. Jesus is standing at the front door of our life, hoping that we will hear his voice and proverbially, spiritually open that door so that he will come in and relate with us and we with him. This is one of those verses that there's a lot of confusion about in some people's lives. Like, is this verse written to lost people? Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. It's time for you to believe and accept Jesus into your heart. Or is this passage written to a believer like me or like you? Who God says, I've made my home in you with my spirit. You are my son or my daughter. And I want to be welcome in every area of your life. Let me tell you, this verse was written to somebody like you and me. 
Somebody who had grown not hot or cold in their relationship with God, but a little lukewarm. And Jesus says to the church, to believers like you and me, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you look at how Jesus teaches about knocking through the parables, this isn't some polite knock, right? This isn't a knock where it's knock, 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 right? It's not that. It's not the Sheldon knock from Big Bang, right? It's not Penny, Penny. Anyway, moving along. It's not that. This is an aggressive knock, like a woman who wants to be heard from an unjust judge, like a, like a person who is, is looking for lodging in the night. You're going to bang on the door to wake him up. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. What's the welcome mat for Jesus look like in your life right now? If you really come home, you don't even have to knock on the door anymore. When you go home, home, you just open the door and you say, hey, I'm home. Maybe you come home after you've just gotten married and you say, hey, we're home. Or you come in with grandkids and all the grandkids say, we're home. When you come home, you open that door and you walk in because you are home. What's the welcome mat look like for Jesus in your life? Does he have the right to walk into any area of your life? Have you permitted that? Does he have room to come in and to explore different parts of you and to ask you challenging questions, to point out difficult truths of your attitude? Does he have the full rights to your life, believer in Jesus Christ? Because that's what he wants. And why does he want it? He wants it because he loves us. He wants it because we're his sons or daughters. He wants it because he wants us to tap into the changed life that he offers us. He wants it because his spirit lives in us. Listen to how Jesus speaks to the church just before this famous knock the door verse. Revelation 3, 19 through 20. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. What Jesus says here, church, is pay attention to your walk with me. Be earnest. Pay attention to every area of your life. Don't have sections of your life that you say, Jesus, you're not authorized to influence here. Jesus, you're not permitted to, to walk in this part of my life. But instead, you're earnest and you say, Jesus, every part of my life is yours. I'm not giving you a tour. I'm giving you the title of my life. You own me. I've been bought with a price. I am yours. How do you do that? What's it look like to put a welcome mat out for Jesus? Well, let's fill in a few blanks and see if we can apply it to our lives. First thing is this. If we're going to put out a welcome mat for Jesus, we need to hear his voice. And I, when I say hear his voice, Jesus says that, that I'm going to call you and, and I'm going to discipline you. And I'm going to rebuke you. Those that I love, I rebuke and discipline. Do you realize that the voice of Jesus 
is always going to be full of grace and truth. And sometimes that grace and truth is going to be used to reset our lives and to put us on a new path with him. Sometimes that grace and truth isn't going to be easy to hear, but it's what we need. It's what God gives us at the perfect time. Right now, how's the welcome mat of your life looking to Jesus? Are you listening to his voice, even if it's a voice that says, hey, let's change something. Hey, let's be completely new in this area of your life. Second thing, if we are going to put out a welcome mat for Jesus, not only do we hear his voice, but we also open our lives, open your life up to him. Every part of your life, Jesus cares about. Every part of your life, Jesus wants you to follow him and depend upon him and obey him. Every part of your life. So if we're going to put out a welcome mat for Jesus, we are going to open our lives to him. Then the third, if we're going to put out a welcome mat for Jesus, that welcome mat isn't a seasonal thing. That welcome mat is a permanent fixture in our lives. And that welcome mat allows us to enjoy our life pleasing him. Do you realize what Jesus offers you is not a religion that gives you permission to do what you want to do and not a religion that makes it like, like a rules-based relationship with him, but instead he gives you grace and truth so that you can enjoy living your life with him and for him. I love that Jesus talks in terms of eating because it gives us a picture of the type of relationship he wants to have with us. When Jesus says, hey, I'm going to eat with you and you with me. How many of you look and say, I eat once a week, so I'm going to have that meal once a week with Jesus. Anybody eat once a week? Okay, how about, how about two times a day? Anybody eat two times a day? How about three times a day? You've got to play along, friends. How about 14 times a day? Let's get real. <laughs> See, Jesus, this is the relationship he wants. It's not a once a week, and it's not disconnected from our reality. Our relationship with Jesus is connected to the very thing that sustains us and gives us life. That's him. So is your welcome mat for Jesus put out so that you could hear his voice? I mean, these days we've all got, or some of us have, and by the way, your videos are funny, the ring doorbells, right? Where your doorbell's not just a doorbell anymore. It's a video camera and a speaker and you can mess with people. I don't have one yet because God hadn't quite refined my spirit enough to have one of those. I, I would be mean to people. I would be funny, but I would be mean. I'd, I'd be yelling, get out. I know I would. That's what I would do. But do you realize that when Jesus knocks at your door, you don't need new technology to know it's him. You can hear his voice, grace and truth. When Jesus knocks at your heart, believer, He's wanting you to open everything up to him because he is with you and he loves you. And he's wanting you to enjoy your life with him because whatever you do, whatever, like, wherever you go, he is with you. You ever play that little exercise or do the little exercise where somebody says, hey, if you could have dinner with three people, living or dead, who would you choose? Most people, and celebrities included, 
will choose a religious leader, whether that's Jesus or Buddha or Muhammad or Confucius or Justin Bieber. Uh, Where did that come from? They'll choose a religious leader or they'll choose another celebrity or a famous person from culture, politician perhaps, and they'll choose a family member. Well, if I was choosing my three, I would choose my dad. My dad died a couple decades ago, and I would love to hear him tell those same old stories over and over again. I think he only had five or six stories, which is five or six more than I have on a good day. And I'd love to hear those stories. I would choose Abraham Lincoln because of what he did to free people and what he did to lead people and the price that he personally paid for his convictions. So it would be Ronnie Hurt and Abraham Lincoln. And then I would invite uh, Kerry Von Erich. He's a wrestler from the 80s. I would want to hear his stories from the road. He lost half his leg in a motorcycle accident, and it didn't stop him from wrestling. He just put on boots that went up higher than his fake leg, and he wrestled. Could you imagine Abraham Lincoln, Kerry Von Erich, and Ronnie and Mike Hurt sitting at one table? <laughs> that would be awesome. You say, Pastor, you left out somebody that's kind of important. Shouldn't you have invited a religious leader? Shouldn't you have invited Jesus to your table? Let me tell you, I would not have invited Jesus to my table. And here's why. Because for believers, this is not a hypothetical situation. Will you invite Jesus to your table? This is not a hypothetical question because I bring Jesus to the table. He is with me. Abraham Lincoln brings Jesus to the table if he knows Jesus. Ronnie Hurt, who knew Jesus, brings Jesus to the table. And Kerry Von Erich is a Southern boy, God-fearing, wrestling man. I'm guessing he brings Jesus to the table too. Do you realize that the implication for you as a believer, when he says, I've made you a son or a daughter and I've put my spirit in you, You're not inviting him into your life anymore. He is with you everywhere you go. He is with you in everything that you do. You're not inviting him to the table anymore because his home is you. He goes with you. That hobby, he's with you. At work, he's with you. In relationships, he's with you. When you feel alone, he's with you. Some of you are like, "Uh uh-oh. If Jesus is with me everywhere, uh uh-oh. What do you think? Maybe, just maybe, that's why Jesus told the church in Revelation chapter three to be earnest and repent. Because I am with you always and because I wanna be welcome in your life in every area of your life. Do you think maybe that's why to cover up our uh uh-oh moments, Jesus said, be earnest and repent? Because I want you to enjoy every aspect of your life with me. So if you were putting out a welcome mat for Jesus in your life today, and we all are, what would it say? Let's pray together. Father, thanks for the chance to open your word. God, I pray that you help us all to apply truth to our life.
Help us to live with you at home in us. Help us to live as believers, knowing that you are with us always. May we do what you told us to do, Lord Jesus. May we be earnest in every area of our life, look to honor you. And where we don't, may we repent. Church family, in this moment, maybe you need to spend some time thanking Jesus that he's with you everywhere. And then maybe, if you're like me, you're going to need to spend some time confessing some sin and repenting of some behaviors and habits. Put that welcome mat out for him. As the church prays, if you've never believed in Jesus for life, I invite you to make today your day. God sent his son to redeem us. And he's not knocking on your heart in this moment, but he's calling you by name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're here for a reason. Maybe, just maybe, it's so that you will find life in Christ. If today's your day, you can mark it with a prayer. The Bible says that Jesus is Savior and Lord. And he invites you to believe in him and find life. So you can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior and that you are the Savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life.